0: Hey there, it's Scary Territory. Friday, March 15, 2019. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me, and surprise, surprise, the story of Thursday night Zion Williamson. Made his return against Syracuse. First game since he'd suffered a knee injury 22 nights earlier. Took 13 shots, made 13 shots, finished with 29 points, 14 rebounds, and 5 steals. Zion became first Duke player to get at least 25 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 steals in a game. Since Christian Laettner in 1992, he set a Duke single-game record for field goal accuracy. Set an ACC tournament single-game record for field goal accuracy. If you listen to this podcast regularly, You know I could not have a higher opinion of Zion. I think he's the best player in college basketball. I think he's the best amateur prospect in the world. I would come out of my own pocket if there was a way to rig the lottery to ensure the Grizzlies get to draft him. And yet even I was surprised, blown away, um, by what he was able to do in his first game back on Thursday night. Just an incredible performance from start to finish. Norlanda, what would you make of Zion's return?
1: yeah I was courtside at the Big East tournament so I had the game on my computer thankfully uh, technology has made it uh, very easy to watch this stuff almost in real time so I didn't even have much of a delay there and I'm sitting next to our buddy Jeff Porzello and it's absurd I actually have so the way that the press seating is you're right on the floor which is great and then the fans are right behind you and I've got St. John's fans behind me and I've got the game on I've got got Slack up I've got my email I've got Twitter and when I would uh, for a, a little window there I was switching I was just switching windows and the guys behind me who I didn't realize we're trying to watch so hey can you just can you keep uh the Duke game on please and uh, (laughs) and you know obviously because this you know that's the kind of uh attention that Zion Williamson commands he has he is he is vaporizing our walls of expectations here in terms of what he's capable of doing and what we think he can do because I thought going into the game I thought he was going to play about 25 minutes and get about 18 points nine boards and two blocks Obviously, he, he he just shatters all of that and becomes just the 23rd player in uh, men's Division 1 history to take at least 13 shots and make all of those shots. Uh, it's the best return from an injury in college basketball history because all the other performances there, so far as I can tell, were not the first game back from... From an injury, and I did think it was interesting that Zion Williamson said, "No, I've been I've been good for a little while here, Uh, but Duke did what it it felt was proper and held him out until it was absolutely the right time. No arguments really to be made, other than you could say, had Zion Williamson come back, maybe they steal one on the road against North Carolina. But he was he was outrageous." Uh, that was the reminder that not he only is he the best player in college basketball, he's the player of the year uh, in the sport. Uh, we'll, as Paris mentioned previously, we'll do our voting on that after the Elite Eight. Um, if Duke gets knocked out like a stunner in first or second round, maybe someone else steals it. But I, I find it hard to envision a way when, in which that's not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't have too much else to say of, of great insight, Parrish, other than this was, this was stupid in terms of he just – he walks back into the into the sport completely takes it over immediately and it's everything you want it to be it, 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 I mean it, it's his next it's it's the next great it's the next album anticipation and every track is incredible like it's just it's unreal what he is able to do and uh and now we obviously set up for a for a huge one tonight
0: we um when we would talk about Zion while he was injured and sitting out. You know, every once in a while, people would say, so who is the national player of the year now? And I'd say Zion Williamson. And they'd say, but even with all these games? And I said, yes, because here's what's going to happen. And anybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows that uh, my predictions aren't always perfect. Shouts to Wofford. But I said, here's what's going to happen. He's going to come back for the ACC tournament. And he's going to remind everybody why he's the best player in college basketball. And even I didn't expect that. That I mean, that was an all-time first-game-back performance, like an actual record-breaker in some regards. And so he was awesome, looked great, looked fresh, looked healthy, and I thought it was interesting. You know, afterward, he was asked about the people who suggested he should shut it down, never play college basketball again. And I thought he handled it really well, like somebody who had been preparing for that question for three weeks and he just said everybody is entitled to their own opinion i respect that but it's just a non-starter for me like i i love to play i want to play i couldn't leave my brothers um uh you know hanging like that and you know like i'll never. i'm paraphrasing a bit here but like this is this is what i want to do this is always what i've wanted to do And the idea that I would walk away from being the National Player of the Year, from being a uh, possible ACC Tournament Champion, a possible NCAA Tournament Champion, it it seems to be something he didn't even think about for a second.
1: I agree with that, and everyone in and around the Duke program maintained that the entire time. Now, that's not going to stop... Uh, some, not all. I, I do think that the, the commentary around the Zion Williamson, should he, should he not return, I actually thought if you really took into account a lot of the people in the media, particularly college basketball media, they were giving uh, Zion Williamson his fair due and sim- and expressing similar sentiments to what we have. Others, others maybe not so much, but I, I, I feel like maybe it's, we've now gotten to the point where the... Criticism on those who say what Zion Williamson should do uh, became a little bit of an echo chamber. It was out there. I just don't think it was out there as much as some might have argued. Um, I will say this. I I didn't see Mike Krzyzewski's press conference, but I saw the anecdotes from reporters on the scene afterward. Um, What Nike did in response to this, uh, to the the Williamson shoe thing, was not surprising, but still remarkable. Uh, Mike Shostak said the quote top people at Nike, would you know descended upon Durham. Uh, I think the next day after all of this happened, and then those same people and potentially some others flew to China, to apparently oversee the development and manufacturing of uh, of a Kyrie Irving shoe that was specifically tailored for Zion Williamson and to see what had happened uh, potentially with the Paul George shoe. <laughs> um, that's quite the... I, I, I can guarantee you uh, that if this happens to Trey Jones, they're not doing that. It just speaks to his power. And yes, obviously Nike is viewing the potential of landing Zion Williamson as the generational... Uh, seller and marketer of their product I mean th- it's it's obvious So they are going to try and keep him And they they sent out everyone to do so um, I, I just I wanted to bring that up on the podcast Because the, the idea of Nike putting God knows how much into expense reports And travel and production And investigation and scientific work On Zion Williamson uh, Easily in the tens of thousands If not hundreds of thousands of dollars Over the past two and a half weeks I don't think that's an insignificant storyline Amid all of what we've seen here it, it, I agree um but
0: when you're talking about a 100 million dollar investment in a basketball player that you might be on the verge of making a 100,000 dollar investment is is like nothing. And so what this all sounds like to me is something that is makes for a great story to to show somebody how important they are but but largely feels unnecessary. <laughs> like I don't know why the top people at Nike needed to go to China. Crazy. Um, when the truth like what are they, like when the, here's the truth um, okay, so we looked into the Zion thing. We la- asked him last time he changed shoes. He said it was a month ago. That ended up being the problem. Because when I've been in studio with Wally Zerbiak or um, Brendan Haywood or any of the guys who played college basketball at a high level, then in the NBA for many, many years, they all said the idea, because this was known pretty quickly, that he had not changed shoes in a while. It was just crazy. Like, Michael Jordan changed shoes every game. Um, LeBron changed his shoes every game. Wally said... He changed shoes at least once a week. Like you, you, it And all reports are that Zion was wearing those same shoes, and then the structure gets a little loose. Plus, he's a 285-pound man moving in those shoes, stopping in those shoes in ways that literally no other 285-pound man on the planet moves um, or stops. So it, it was just a, a matter of time. And so really the lesson here isn't to get some Kyrie Fours and reinforce them as much as it's like, yo, um, you just played a game in those shoes, autograph them, set them to the side, because they'll be worth something someday when you're allowed to sell them, and, uh, and now go get a brand new pair of shoes, and you're going to do that. Each of these eight games going forward, you will never wear the same shoes twice. So um, really, that's the lesson more than anything else. If you're going to be a high-level basketball player, you don't need to be wearing shoes um, as often as Zion was wearing the same shoes. But either way, um, incredible story, incredible return, and... Um, We both predicted that he would be um, the biggest story in college basketball, not only going into the ACC tournament, but into the NCAA tournament, and um, it appears that that is going to hold true. So um, they beat Syracuse. I don't want to say easily, even though it was a double-digit win, because that game was, was close in the second half, but they do get by Syracuse, and UNC got by Louisville. And that sets up Duke UNC Part 3. It's late tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern in Charlotte. We're going to discuss that next, but first, check this out.
1: With a dead cell phone, think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at hyundaiusa.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
0: So it's Duke UNC part three tonight, nine Eastern in Charlotte. Um, Norlander, you can break down the game if you want, but here are my questions for you. Does the winner of this game, is the winner guaranteed a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? Can the loser still get a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? And can Duke be the number one overall seed if it wins this game and then also wins the championship game of the ACC tournament?
1: Quick amendment to number three. Does it matter who Duke plays in the championship game for you for the purposes of that question?
0: Perhaps, because here's what I would say. If they beat UNC, then back it with a win over Virginia, they will be 29-5. Um, and five. They would have 12, uh, no, they'd be, at that point, 11 Quadrant 1 wins. But the most important thing is they'd be a one-loss team with a full-strength team. And now they'd be heading into the NCAA tournament at full strength and with three victories over Virginia. Is the committee really going to give Virginia the number one overall seed when they lost three times to the other good option for the over one number one seed i don't know i doubt
1: it I don't doubt it. Uh, I think Virginia has the number one overall seed locked up by beating NC State. Uh, They're taking the whole body of, of work into account here. Duke will be docked for its losses. Maybe it has afforded some slack where if it's a one or a two decision and they say, you know what, with the full-strength with the full-strength team, uh, and I know Marquise Bolden is now out, uh, they only have one loss to Gonzaga on a neutral. I do not think anyone can jump over Virginia. I am saying Virginia is a, is a lock for the number one overall seed. Even if it loses Friday in the semifinals, Even if it gets beat by 29 against Duke or North Carolina in the ACC championship game, uh, they will have three losses. They also have three more road wins than Duke, and I think some things like that can also come into account. I don't think that is insignificant at all. Uh, Duke has a quad two loss. Virginia does not, so I don't think that there is enough there. It would be a fascinating argument, GP, because if that happened in Duke 1, it would have swept uh, it would have have swept the Cavaliers to the tune of 3 of uh, 3 Ls but before i get into the other two questions uh, you asked set me me, right thoughts? there this
0: will be one of our classic uh, we totally disagree on this very big thing okay and who knows if it'll play out this way it, you know duke could lose friday uh, virginia could lose friday uh, duke could lose to virginia but i submit if duke beats north carolina and then duke beats virginia in the championship game to improve to 3 and 0 against virginia this season and to enter the NCAA tournament with only one loss, when your Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, Trey Jones, R.J. Barrett um, foursome is is in the starting lineup and healthy throughout the game, I submit that Duke, in on based on those things, would be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament.
1: All right, so we disagree. We'll wait and see what happens. I hope that we get to see see that scenario. Um, I don't think Virginia can lose the number one overall seat at this point. I think it's a. I think it's a lock. Now, the first two questions you asked me: uh, Does the winner of Duke UNC for sure get a number one? I think the answer is yes. Uh, Duke, Carolina. Hey, Friday podcast, Friday prediction time. It's time for Paris to make a little, a little. Uh, I, can't, I don't. That's not something I do. I mean, I know that's
0: something other people do. <laughs> oh, it's going to be something like, I do. <laughs> it's something I don't do. It's a little bit like sm- cigarette smoking, right? I know some people do it. It's just something I don't do.
1: I mean, it's no, it's all, it's really nothing like cigarette
0: smoking. But I I, I I submit that picking Friday games is a lot like smoking cigarettes.
1: Okay. Well, you know what? We're we're already starting to uh, to lose the track here. But I do think that if Duke beats North Carolina. Uh, that will be its first win, obviously, over North Carolina. It would jump the Tar Heels uh, in the hierarchy, then get into the one line, and then most specific, I think that Virginia is going to be in that title game, obviously. Um, and if it were to lose, if Duke were to lose to Virginia, I still think it would have good standing and would get the one seed. Can the loser still get a one? I don't think so, because uh, if Duke loses, it's already a two right now. Uh, another loss, a six-loss Duke team is not getting a one seed. There, that that is that is impossible, and I mean impossible. There is no chance if Duke loses to North Carolina, it is getting a one. It's it's not even remotely in discussion. If Duke wins and North Carolina loses, UNC would have six losses as well. I don't think that it can uh, that it can stay on the one line. I think Duke jumps them. I basically just said that about two minutes ago. There, we're all you know we're talking about uh, similar results, but uh, with with you know vastly different outcomes here. Um, and now let me make my prediction. Duke is going to win 89-85, to 85, a very good game. How about you do just a quick over-under? Zion Williamson, 24.5 points, over or under?
0: I'll go under, but, like, why would
1: I? Why would you go under at this because point? Who you just did, so I don't know. You tell me.
0: Well, because that's a, that's a big, big number for a college basketball player in a college basketball game, particularly one who is still... Um, averaging only, let me pull it up here, 21.9. So um, it would be above his season total, but this game's going to have a whole bunch of possessions, and my God, he was otherworldly
1: on Thursday night.
0: To hell with it. I don't want to root against Zion. I'm going over. Give me
1: over. Okay, so my prediction is Duke beats North Carolina. In the process, Duke will be a one seed. North Carolina will be a two. You don't want to predict the game, so I don't know how you want to wrap this segment
0: uh well i want to um i actually think duke will win too
1: um
0: i just i i just think i they looked overwhelming last night at times zion's on another level oh North, i don't know i mean listen it's a basketball game between two of the very best teams in the country um on a neutral court in their home state it could obviously go either way but i believe duke is a slight favorite in the game so i'll take duke to to win a close game um i will put aside my um disdain for picking friday games simply because we've got a, such a great one here uh in charlotte here's what i would say i think we disagree on this too and i i acknowledge i might be wrong because i don't know what the committee will do but here's what i would do i think if i agree with you the winner of this is guaranteed a one seed because the only thing that could happen then there's no bad loss to take anymore Even a loss to Florida State, if Florida State is coming off of a win over Virginia, is not going to be a bad loss. not going to ding you at all. And obviously a loss to Virginia is just not going to hurt your resume because everybody except Duke loses to Virginia. So I do believe North Carolina and Duke, the winner of that game, is going to be a one seed with Virginia. I do not think, we agree on this, that Duke can be a one seed if it loses because it's it's already a two seed. Then it would would lose three games to – to unc if you're a two seed today you're not going to be a a loss isn't going to propel you to one seed right let's just keep it simple so i don't think duke can be a one seed with a loss i do think there's a scenario where unc could be a one seed with a loss and here's why and i only started thinking about this last night because i was updating the top 25 and one and every once in a while i start to go okay what what needs to happen tomorrow to make this easy for me tomorrow. I just root for an, an easier life for myself. And one of the things I noticed is, is right now I've got Virginia 1, North Carolina 2. Now, why would a neutral court to Duke knock you out of the like top 4, which is essentially what we're talking about when it comes to number 1 seeds. If you've already got a better resume than Gonzaga, in my opinion, and you've already got a better resume than Um, Kentucky, in my opinion, Michigan State, in my opinion, Michigan, in my opinion, Tennessee, in my opinion, why why would I hurt you for a loss to Duke on a neutral court? Unless you just got run off the court. But if you play a competitive game with Duke, I guess what I would do in the top 25 and one probably is I'd still have Virginia one. I'd jump Duke up to number two. And I would just drop North Carolina to number three. So if... Duke beats Carolina tonight in a competitive game. I think the Saturday morning update to the top 25 and one would be Virginia one, Duke two, North Carolina three, and at least, so what that means, at least according to me on Saturday, one day before selection Sunday, is I would have three ACC teams um, projected as as number one seeds. Obviously, what happens in the SEC tournament is going to play a role in this. Big Ten tournament going to play a role in this. But I can absolutely see a scenario where Carolina gets a one seed, even with a loss to Duke.
1: Yeah, I'm not as absolute. I'm not saying that I don't project and predict that North Carolina will be a one seed if it loses to Duke. I expect that either Kentucky or Tennessee will win the SEC tournament and get there. I also want to note this before we transition. Uh, Bernard Muir, the selection chair committee, told... uh, NCAA.com's Andy Katz on Thursday that there were seven teams in contention for a one seed. So we know what those seven are. They are Virginia, Duke, North Carolina, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Kentucky. Right? That's seven, right? Three ACC teams, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Kentucky, and then I'm missing one, Michigan State. Either Michigan State or LSU, I don't think that LSU is under real consideration because it's 14th in the net, and they will potentially they have already decided if Will Wade's not going to be available, we are not going to put LSU in contention for a one-seat even if it wins the SEC tournament. That's my projection. I think that Michigan State is the seventh team that's in the mix there, and it's not the Tigers, although I think the Tigers are worthy of the one seed if they went out and win the SEC tournament, but I don't think that they – one, I don't think they're going to do it, and two, I don't think the NCAA will do that.
0: I agree with you on every one of those points. It is those seven teams. It is not LSU. Um, because even if LSU wins the SEC tournament, where they'd have a strong case just based on results as a number one seed, the committee can always say they don't have their coach. They We don't know about Javante Smart at this moment, but they might not have Javante Smart. I think that's the third or fourth leading scorer on the team. It's very easy to discount LSU um, if you're on the committee if you want to, and I think they will. I agree. So, um, just a couple of more things before we get out of here, because we both got a million things going on today. Um, West Virginia finished last in the Big Twelve, is now in the semifinals of the Big Twelve tournament. Beat Oklahoma, beat Texas Tech. Bid big stealing Bob, could we have hugs? <laughs> Who would have thought West Virginia could be a bid stealer? Last place team in a top two league trying to be a bid stealer, but I will say I'm not. I don't predict it. But the other, they play Kansas late tonight. If they win, they would play Kansas State or Iowa State. Iowa State, according to Kimpom is projected to beat Kansas State. And so you look at what West Virginia did this season, and it obviously wasn't much good, but they did beat Kansas, and they did beat Iowa State. So two of the other three teams remaining are teams that West Virginia oddly has wins over. It's not the craziest thing in the world, even if big picture, it, it really might be the craziest thing in the world.
1: I'm not starting to sweat yet on my West Virginia won't make the NCAA tournament. <laughs>
0: Woo! I forgot about that. I might, I might get this thing. I might get this thing in the, in the most unusual ways. I might end up right on this one.
1: <laughs> I can't go there. Kansas is the, is the opponent here on Friday. Uh, West Virginia uh, has, Huggins has had Cels number a number of times over the, over the years in recent seasons. Kansas by the way uh, got here by beating uh, beating Texas just a quick note there is there is no way Texas is in the tournament. I understand, like they've got a lot of top wins uh, GP. If we record our Selection Sunday podcast and Texas is in the field, I'm going to need about ten minutes. Okay.
0: Yeah. No, they're, listen, they're five hundred. They're not getting in. The, they just Jackson Hayes just suffered a knee injury. Yeah. So that's a real thing. Yep. There, there's no chance. Yeah.
1: I, I agree. Uh, but for those checking in, listening, you know, looking for a quick bubble talk, like i just on Texas. You cannot put a five hundred team. And as an at-large. It can't happen. The committee's never done it. It won't set that precedent this season. You make a great point with Jackson Hayes. He very well couldn't even play the rest of the of the season, period, postseason, wherever they are, given the, the nature of the injury he suffered uh, on Thursday. We wait on that. As for West Virginia. I this is I love when we get some of these spoiler types. You got Nebraska doing it. In the Big Ten right now, we'll see what Tim Miles can do, see if he takes another digger, which is the highlight of Conference Championship Week so far. That's not Zion Williamson-related, I guess, Um, so keep an eye on that. But I don't think West Virginia's going to beat Kansas. I know you won't make a prediction. I, however, will. I've got Kansas winning this game by 14 points. I mean...
0: I, I, I kind of would like to see West Virginia like play in the championship game of the Big 12 tournament as a possible bid stealer because it'd just be a, a remarkable story given the way that season um, went um, uh, for West Virginia. But, yeah, I think Kansas probably wins the game uh, late Friday. And then we get, I'll say Kansas, Iowa State in the championship game. Um, you know, Kansas State without Dean Wade is a different team. So, Kansas, Iowa State in the championship game of the Big 12, West Virginia not a bid stealer. Unfortunately, because um, sitting next to Jerry Palm all day yesterday, um, he explained to me exactly why he is in favor of some big bit stealers to get some of this crap off of his at large uh, page <laughs> because he and I think this is true. Anybody who's projecting brackets this time of the year, you know, you get to a place where you got like 64, 65 teams in the field and you're like, good, I don't want to put anybody else in this like like he, he's like I get to about I'm about 3 or 4 short and it's just it's just crap. So he's he's Jerry's in favor of bit stealing Big 12, bit stealing, bit stealing uh Mountain West, bit stealing American just to get some of these very mediocre
1: at large candidates um, on the wrong, on clearly on the wrong side of the bubble. And we'll have I think we're going to have at least one more here. Uh to keep an eye on Pac 12, you know, right. Oregon. Uh, they've got they've got a shot. Um I've got to look at the American see if Memphis can or can't do it. An underdog by the way to UCF someone at mentioned us just before we did a podcast cuz I believe you said only only uh, Houston and Cincinnati would be favored over Memphis in that building. Do you want to answer to this by the way? UCF <laughs> is favored over Memphis in that it's building. It's just
0: it's just not what I said. People <laughs> people hear one thing and they don't hear everything. Here's what I said. I said nobody would be a significant favorite over Memphis inside FedEx Forum. That's clearly true according to all the computer numbers. I guess we could argue about what is significant and what's insignificant. But, um, you know, I, I don't think Houston being, if Memphis-Houston play on Saturday, Houston being a four- five-point favorite over Memphis, I don't think that's significant. It's not something that, that is, uh, you're climbing the biggest mountain in the world. What I said is that Houston would definitely be a favorite over Memphis. Uh, Cincinnati would definitely be a favorite over Memphis, and the only only other team that might is UCF. And then I explain how Sagarin had UCF even when you took into account FedEx Forum as a slight favorite over Memphis. But that if um, but th- but that Memphis and UCF played in FedEx Forum earlier this year and Memphis closed as a one-and-a-half-point favorite and then beat them by 20, so perhaps oddmakers would make Memphis a slight favorite, but the computers say UCF should be a slight favorite, and either way, it'll be a coin flip situation. And then the number came out, and it was UCF minus two, and it got bought up to three. Literally nothing I said about that is incorrect. It There is nothing more frustrating than being somebody who speaks for publicly for a living on podcast, on radio, on television, and have people... And have people say you say you said things that you just did not say, and it happens to me every day. And that was a good example. Some guys like, oh, so much for your projections. What did I say that was wrong? I said that UCF would be a slight favorite over Memphis and FedEx Forum. Um, according to the computers, but these teams had already played once, and Memphis was the favorite and beat them by 20, so perhaps Ozmakers would make Memphis a slight favorite, but either way, it'd basically be a coin flip situation, and then UCF opened as minus two. What did I say that's wrong?
1: You are fired up on a Friday. I knew I could get you stoked. I just wanted to stoke your flames. It's You know, it's uh, we got a long, great day ahead of us, and I just <laughs> I just <laughs> had to throw a little something on there for you. <laughs> I knew you'd do exactly what you just did, by the way. Okay, by the way, so I was at Big East on Thursday night. I will be at the Big East uh, tournament on Friday night for the semifinals. I'll be at the A-10 in the afternoon. Uh, the Big East has Xavier going up against Villanova, and then Marquette versus Seton Hall. Hall. I think Seton Hall is going to win the Big East Tournament Championship. We'll wait and see on that. But I wanted just to bring up real quick, Parrish. Um, as we head into Selection Sunday, and uh, and we've got these bubble teams that are floating everywhere, um, I, I don't think NC State uh, is going to get in. But I wanted to touch St. John's real quick. And then Indiana is another one from the Big Ten. I don't think Indiana is going to get in. Uh, St. John's has a really weird case right now. I do think St. John's is going to get in, but it looked terrible and listless on Thursday night. After the game, uh, both I and Jeff Borzello uh, uh, asked Chris Mullen to kind of make his case for his team, you know, why they're an NCAA tournament caliber team. G.P., this is an annual thing. Teams on the bubble losing their conference tournaments, then their coaches just have to—they say something about why they deserve to be in. Some coaches don't more than others. I had never seen a coach react the way Chris Mullen had. He said, "I'm not gonna—I don't need to say anything. I'm not gonna politic. You know, just not gonna do it." Um, and then he—and then he said, "You know, we just—we're gonna take a break for the next few days. The, that, my guys need to break mentally. They need to break physically." They need a break from each other. And I'm like, what? So it was the it was the biggest non endorsement of a team I've ever I ever can recall by a head coach, which was stunning. And then Parrish, I don't know if this is gonna matter or not, but St. John's is seventy second in the net. The next closest team that isn't at large candidate is controversial Arizona State at 63. I mean that's that's and that's below Toledo, it's below Liberty, it's below Alabama, which I don't even think is in at this point. Oregon's higher than that. Creighton, which has no shot, is is much higher than that. So, um I think St. John's is going to get in because it's uh it's it's done a lot in quad 1, quad 2, 10 total wins, but if it's, if it's left out, I will not be shocked, and I, I think it would actually be a, a pretty powerful statement by the committee. And also, I think you could directly tie it, frankly, I think you could directly tie it to two things. One, the committee will say they played uh, an opportunistic game uh, in the Big East quarters, and they fell on their face lost by 32, and also their net ranking was so low. That could be the precedent-setting thing uh, on Selection Sunday in the first year of the net ranking. If we get a team that's 72nd that doesn't get in, we'll have a first-year cut line.
0: Yeah, one in four last five games, lone win in that stretch over DePaul. Finished under 500 in a very mo- mediocre Big East. I mean, I know we got to put 68 teams in this thing, so if St. John's has one of the best at-large resumes and finishes above the cut line, uh, it's fine with me. I'm not going to spend Sunday's podcast going, I can't believe St. John's got in. But I don't care if they get left out. They're, they're not any good. They've had
1: some good moments, but they're not any good. They aren't any good. Um, they are. They're not any good, and yet their talent, like they should be, they should have been so much better than this this season. So just keep an eye on St. John's. I would put them uh, right alongside Indiana. NC State and the mid-majors we talked about plenty on the previous two podcasts as the teams that I'm most interested going into. Now, I will say this. Xavier won on Thursday, and then I've got Travis Steele, uh, Xavier coach. Like, Tell me, Matt, tell me why we shouldn't have a stronger case. I said, Travis, I will have this discussion with you if you beat Villanova. And if Xavier beats Villanova, I think it will at least be in the discussion. It's got to do that first. I don't think Xavier is going to do that first. Um, I, I just think Villanova's got too much there. But if it does get that win, it's it played well down the stretch. It has a better net ranking than St. John's, albeit only by two spots there. I do expect and think that the, uh, that the Big East Tournament is going to be, uh, it's going to be a good one on 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 Friday night. The semifinals usually deliver uh, at least one of those two games, so I'm interested for that. I'm I love this time of year. I love this you know 58 60 hour ramp up to Selection Sunday. I think it's fantastic. By the way, a note for our listeners: when the bracket comes out, we're going to have a podcast late Sunday night, as we always do. Paris is going to be on television. I'll be on CBS Sports HQ. We are doing a selection show. If you love this podcast. Please try and watch Parish on one screen. Bring up your phone, laptop, computer, whatever. Bring up CBS Sports HQ on the other screen. We'll be interviewing coaches all night. I know HQ, we will have Jay Wright. We will have Mark Few. We will have loads of coaches that are in the field. So we'll be talking to them, bracket analysis and all that. And also, for your brackets, um, you want to go to sportsline.com slash brackets on Sunday night we will have two brackets that you want to be taking a look at. One is the optimal bracket, and that's the thing they do every single year. So if you're basically looking for, in your pool, to do well at the end of, you know, amid, amid your group, right, this bracket, this optimal bracket, always finishes in the top 5% at CBS Sports. It called Villanova, winning it all last year. And then there's the upset bracket, so if you want to get a little frisky with it, uh, the upset bracket last year called 12 of the 18 first-round upsets by double-digit seeds actually over the past three years. Uh, so look out for that the promo code to do this is press p-r-e-s-s keep an eye on that and then of course on the podcast parish and i will be making our predictions upsets and all that stuff trust me we love uh, there's so much we do on selection sunday i enjoy nothing more than doing this podcast with my friend and that selection sunday podcast is my favorite of the year so we will get that to you but just understand we have a ton to do so it's probably going to be waiting for you as you wake up monday morning because that's going to be a late sunday night podcast
0: It will be a late uh, Sunday night, just like I've got a late Friday night in front of me, and I know you do as well. Norlander, like he said, going to be at the A-10 tournament. That's at Barclays in Brooklyn. Then he's going to bounce to the Big East tournament. That's at uh, Madison Square Garden in Midtown Manhattan. And I will be at the CBS Broadcast Center all day um, we've got the Mountain West Semis. We've got inside college basketball throughout the day, and we'll be ending it tonight. So as the games wrap up late Friday, and uh, there's not another dribble to be made, but you're looking for more basketball highlights conversation, um, we will be on CBS Sports Network, uh, that is channel 221 on Directv. We'll, uh, I think the schedule has us not getting out of studio tonight till right around 2 a.m. Woohoo!
1: You're rocking it, buddy.
0: (laughs) Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. He's the legend. Shouts to Larnell. And remember, go subscribe. I own College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. If you haven't done that already, if you have done it, thank you, thank you, thank you. You made a big uh, impact on the audience that is um, being exposed to what we do three times a week so if you've done it thank you if you haven't only takes a minute five stars nice comments that's all i've ever asked from you you do that i'll say thank you in advance and then we're going to talk to you again late sunday night by then we're going to have a bracket till then take care